0: What is up, high performers, and welcome to another episode of the Consistency Wins podcast. Here we have a great interview with our good friend, Ben Zogby, founder and CEO of High Strike Trading. We'll let you get right into it. All right. This is so cool because I always like to give a little context as to how we even got here. Right. So let's let's rewind six months ago. I think we've talked about it just very briefly in some of our podcasts about my trip to Vegas, And went out to a networking event in Vegas. Met this dude Cam, and Cam was telling me all about, you know, those cool things that he's up to. He's like, "Oh, I, you know, I'm the COO of this uh, retail trading platform. We, you know, we teach people how to how to trade and do all these things." I'm like, "Yo, there's this guy that I've been following for two years. His name's Ben, and I love his content. I'm like a disciple of Ben. Like I've literally followed his stuff." He's like. Yeah, like I'm the COO of High Strike. I'm like, what the fuck? Like holy crap. And fast forward 6 months later, Cam and I stay in touch just a little bit. I see him in my my uh apartment building. And I'm like, what are you doing here in Miami? And he's like, yeah, I just moved in here as well. I'm like, what? And then you come down like a month later, we meet. I'm like, wow, Ben's just a normal ass dude. He's not uh, you know, you're you got the high following and all that stuff, but just a normal ass nice guy. And uh, you know, we hit it off and now we're on a podcast. It's crazy how things come full circle, man. So thanks yeah. for being on. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we have your Ben Zogby, the founder, CEO of High Strike Trading. What's going on, brother?
1: Not much, man. Um, appreciate you having me on. Um, really excited to dig in with you and talk about some good stuff. Um, I know you guys are up to some really good stuff, too. You guys have a really loyal following, um, which I can respect. And um, yeah, it's been great hanging out with you, getting to know you. Um and, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to coming down there on Sunday, Try to make the drive in one day. And, uh, yeah, doing some more fun stuff with you, getting some more stuff done, and um, just continue building.
0: And so you're driving the 24 hours all the way from Boston to
1: Miami. Yeah, so I put it in Google. It says 22 and a half hours. I'm going to leave at 3 a.m. on Sunday and see if I can make it down there in one day. I think, I can, yeah, I can do it. You're wild. Just trying to dodge... New York traffic. That's the only thing I'm worried about. But if I leave on Sunday, it shouldn't be an issue.
0: And so does this mean that this might be a little bit longer stay in Miami since we're bringing the car down?
1: I think that's the idea. I think I'm kind of burning the boats, right? By not flying. I'm not giving myself away. out. If I want to leave, I got to drive 22 hours. Um, that's kind of the, the thought process behind that, um, I guess, uh, subconsciously. But yeah, I, you know, I'd love to stay down there as long as possible because it's cold up here and it's warm down there. and there's <laughs> yeah. super cool people down there and it's just me up here. And uh, yeah,
0: it's, it's so funny you say that because I just went back to New York for a week and the, the quality of life of around the people that I talk to. I could just feel the sadness in their voice. They they just got over winter and they're just like not really too excited about life. I'm not going to just put everyone into that category, but for the people that I connected with, even my family in general, it's like not everyone's excited about life. And down here, that's the vibe. It really is the vibe, man. And Landon, for some context, uh, Cam and I have been subconsciously planting some seeds and getting Ben to move out here. And just so happens I have a room
2: available. So I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and ben cam is your that's that's who you added to your team what what was that? Can you just talk to everybody who's listening who doesn't know what high strike trading is what your path has looked like um you know from from the start to to where you are now um you've basically from my understanding and is you've scaled a, a business from five figures to six figures to seven figures in a very short period of time um uh, which is the real value that you're bringing to the table, I think for all our listeners outside of just your energy and, and, and all that, but like, could you talk about maybe like your story, how you got to where
1: you are right now and then
2: your team that you've built out as well? Yeah, absolutely. So
1: what this really started as, is me sitting in my apartment, making videos um, about trading because I like to trade. Um, it's something I picked up in college. I have a very, very strong passion for markets, for patterns, for puzzles so, you know, being the prideful idiot I was, I was like, you know, I can crack the stock market. I'm not going to work a nine to five job. I'm just going to crack the stock market. Come to find out, it's a lot harder. It's a lot uh, easier said than done. Harder to do in practice. Uh, but tried to, to do that in college, sat in my dorm room. I was, I was a college wrestler. So, you know, while everyone else was downstairs, like drinking and partying, I had to figure out something to do so that I wouldn't go crazy upstairs alone in my room. So that was for me. Trying to crack the market um did not go well uh eventually you know i i I accumulated some sort of an understanding of how you know how price action works and it wasn't a completely losing battle it was kind of a break-even battle um but at no point in my college and i'll be honest about this in my college trading um journey was i a profitable trader Um, but i still had a, a very strong passion for the markets and that's what started, that's what seeded this whole thing. Um, come to graduation, graduated, got a job in engineering, which is what I majored in. I, I was a chemical engineer. we Will never use that degree again in my life, thank God. But uh, <laughs> at, at that point, I did have a degree in engineering. So I, I grabbed a job, um, you know, kind of mid-range salary, nothing crazy um, to pay the bills. And I, it was at that point where I was like, I've always been entrepreneurial, right? When I, when I do something, I, I, it might be an issue, but I need to be like the leader. I need to, um, I, I need to carve the way and, and be in charge because, um, I don't know if it's pride or what it is, but like, I, I kind of, I have to lead things. So I was like, I'm not leading this company and it's a company of like 300 people, like great company. If that's what you know if that's what you want to do, amazing company, um, great culture, great people. Um, so I was like, okay, it's either thirty years to be the CEO of this company, or I can take a passion of mine and try and turn it into a business. So I did that on the side, um, starting, like I said in the beginning, um, me making videos out of my out of my uh, apartment, and I, you know, I would come home from work, I would sneak a workout in, and I would bury myself in my computer. My, my roommates would like walk past my room and go, "Hey, man," <laughs> and I would go back, "Hey, Drew." Hey, Tom and just like we wouldn't really see, really see each other much, um, you know, and and it was just a result of me kind of just being hyper focused on this thing, so yeah, like I said, making videos out of my apartment, um, trying to share my insights on the stock market. At that point, I was like turning into profitability, it wasn't like I had any sort of like long term trading success. So,
2: and at this point, are you trading like? buying and selling you know, individual securities? Are you playing options, futures? Like what was the world that you were playing in? Yeah, so it was, it was equities and
1: options. Um, Got it. So shares of companies and options on those shares. Um, and I, I found out sooner rather than later that options is a risky game and you can lose a lot of money very quickly, um, which I mm. did. Uh, very strong lessons learned there. Um, yeah, as I, as I made those videos, they, they kind of started to take a following on social media. Um, it initially started as me just like, hey, I want to share my insights. And that's how a lot of businesses do start now, right? People just getting on social media and sharing what's important to them, um, which, you know, I, I encourage ever, anyone who has a passion like that. I always, whenever I talk to them, I'm like, dude, just make a social media page and see what happens. Um, it's, it's amazing. The, the way our, our society is structured right now, it rewards people with passions, um, and if you have a passion and you can articulate that passion in, in a public view, you're going to gain a following from the people that are interested. So that's yeah. what happened. Um, and then eventually, you know, what is it? Four years later, we have almost half a million followers on, on Instagram. We have 10,000 users. Um, obviously there, <laughs> it didn't just happen like that. Um, there was like a lot of deliberate things that went in place, um, in that process, which I'm sure we'll dig into throughout this interview, but, um. That's really how it started, um, as a passion. Me just sharing that passion on social media and, and like seeing what stuck. A lot of you know, a lot of success is throwing um, shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. I, I apologize, mm-hmm. if you can't swear on this, but no, definitely you could. You could okay, catch the cool. no pro. <laughs> throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. I know, I know. There's sometimes a stigma behind that strategy in business, but I want to keep doing that for the rest, you know, for the rest of my life. That's what works. Yeah, it's a numbers game at the end of the day. Now
0: I want to talk. Um, let's backtrack just a little bit. What was your vision when you first started High Strike, as opposed to what the vision is now? Because I know that you probably, when you first started, couldn't even see what exists today. Uh, but once you start creating more momentum and action and building out a team, things just become possible. So yeah. tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, that's a great
1: question. It's crazy how the vision has changed. It's like at first, it's like, all right, how do we monetize this? Right? How do we make? How do we make a buck off this? And for me, it was like create a $500 course and sell it, right? Make it, make a super awesome course, get good reviews and just pump sales on the course. Um, and at that point, it's like, you don't even think about building a team, right? And I, I always say this, it's like a, call, a good product will make you some money. A good team and good systems will make you th- more money, right? The most money. And that's not even something I had on my radar. Um, but the vision at that point was like, make enough money so that you know I don't have to work. And, and, and two, if I'm
0: not mistaken, sorry, sorry to cut you off. You yeah. just posted on Instagram that you just crossed like 2.4 million in sales on that specific
1: course. Yeah. yeah. on that course, we have about 2.4 million. In how many years? Um, Three and a half years. Nice, man. Congratulations. Awesome. Thanks, man. All right. Continue. I apologize. No, no, you're good. Uh, Yeah. So the, the point behind that was like, make as much money as we can. And um, me and my, my young business, my naivety was like, all right, Well, I'm just going to pump sales. And I, that I did. Um, I I ran up the social media following, implemented some strategies, spent some money, um, started getting a sense of what it looked like to spend money to make money. Right. I'd always heard that saying like, you got to spend money to make money. Uh, But started actually doing that in practice and seeing how that works. It's like, Oh, when you spend money in the right places, you actually do make more money. Um, So kind of, like I said, throwing shit at the wall and, What stuck was um, running shout outs on Instagram, like paying other pages to to shout out my brand and gaining followers that way. And I figured out pretty quickly that a follower was worth about $12 or $13. So if I could pay $0.08 for a follower times $10,000 that's going to make me a lot of money, right? So that became the business model. Let's pump money into shout outs. Let's gain the following and let's sell, sell trading courses to these following, make sure the course is good, follow it up with reviews and just, you know, rinse and repeat. So that was the vision at first. And dude, now, like, I, I feel like that's not even on our radar anymore. It's like, we have, it. we just launched an app for social media for, for investing and in trading. And kind of, kind of how that came about was like, really deep thinking into what this space looks like and what, what this market demands right now, right? And if you look at all these big broker companies like TD, Robinhood, it's like a trading view even. Like, what are they missing? Like, where can we fill in this market gap and provide more value that users need? And it's like social media, dude. It's like, no one's doing the social part. Um, and I feel like no one's equipped to do the social part, right? Because they don't have strong brands. What they offer is their services. Um, like, for example, TD offers no commission trading. Um, Robinhood offers also no commission trading. Very easy interface, good platform. Um, Stock Twits, I think, completely butchered the social media idea. Um, and they have people just posting all the time, right? I think there's a, a really big demand, or I thought a, a year ago when we started this project, was there's a big demand for a social platform with quality people, um, that can connect in a quality way, um, and I've you know I've just seen what the social the power of social media has been able to do for our brand, and it's like let's apply this to the next market. Let's apply this to trading, and you know so we worked on the app for a year and a half. That's a whole a whole another story, but <laughs> worked on the app for a year and a half, launched the app, and now we have people thousands of people knocking at the door. Um, you know the problem we have is we don't have enough bandwidth to to allow these users to come on yet, which is a great problem to have, but. Basically, to answer your question, the vision now is to run up this platform as an app. Um, you know, I'm not even thinking about monetization at this point, right? I, I think in the beginning, people are drawn towards the money. It's like, how do I make money? How do I make money? Now it's like, you see how to make money and it's by impacting. So it's like, it shifts to how do we make an impact? How do we provide a service that doesn't exist yet? How do we build parallel and new and convince people that our way is the new way and that eventually they're going to have to ditch everything else for our way? And that's
0: the vision now. I like that. And you went the non-traditional route, the harder route, instead of like using a plug and play app system, you got your own set of developers, right? Which is a lot harder to do, I'm assuming. And from what I've gathered by the short conversations you and I have had about this, it's been a lot of ups and downs, a lot of tough communicating, a lot of uh, people in India that you have to communicate with, different time zones, sleep schedules, all that stuff. Why don't you unpack it very briefly about the experience of actually building out an app? Because people see the app and it looks great, but they don't understand all the sweat equity that goes into it.
1: Oh yeah. So <laughs> I'll tell the story about the PowerPoint. So when I, when I was first starting, like I was like, we should make an app, right? I had this all, all this vision. And I, I hit up my buddy Kevin from uh from school, smartest kid you'll ever meet. But I, I, I think I was playing beard eye with him and he was sitting like neck, he was my partner. I was like, Hey dude, you want to build me an app? And like jokingly, he was like, yeah, let's do it. So I was like, all right, let's, let's do it. So next day we're like, all right, you, you serious? He's like, yeah, I'm serious. You serious? So like, okay, let's do it. Um, he's like, here's what I need from you. I need everything. And I was like, wait, what do you mean everything? He's like, no, I, I need you to give me everything. And that was the first time I thought I was like, oh shit. He needs me to design the buttons and the screens and the, what the links to everything and all the little icons. It's like, Oh yeah, I got to do everything. So I didn't know programs like Figma existed. So what I did was I opened up a new PowerPoint and I, I went into, uh, screen dimensions and I made the dimensions 1080 by 1920, which is the size of a phone screen. So I made a PowerPoint phone screen and in PowerPoint, what you can do is you can link buttons to go to other screens in the PowerPoint. So I literally duct taped this thing together to be a working app in a PowerPoint. And he's like, I dude, I've never seen anyone do this before, but it works. Um, this must've taken you like way too long. I was like, yeah, it took me way too long. So he's like, just try this program called called Figma. I know I'm I'm going off on a tangent here, but that's how, that's how the app started. Um, and from there, it's like, I've just continued learning about new programs and new processes To consolidate and to save time. And so at the beginning, anyone who's starting an app from the the beginning, it's going to be a pain in the ass, it's going to be a headache. Um, so I would recommend you, you employ or work with someone who's done it before, like Kevin, (laughs) to kind of help you through all this. To,
2: to go to that as well. Like, so, outside of the development of the software and everything like that, what is the other part of your scaling process look like adding people to your team for different purposes? And, um, we have a lot of business owners that listen to this podcast. So maybe talk about the value of, of, of what you're paying for when you bring a staff person on, or you bring another person to your team on, it's like you're buying back your time. Right. So like, could you just talk a little bit about that, that aspect?
1: Yeah, definitely. So right now we have about 20 people on, on board. Um, and yeah, like you said, it, you want to be as a founder, CEO, head of the company, whatever. You want to be able to work on your company, not in your company. Um, and you know, the second I feel myself doing something that I'm like, I should not be doing this. This is a waste of time, even though it might be vital to the business. It's like, all right, it's time to either delegate this to someone on board or bring someone else new into a slot that can fill this this position. Um, you know, because it's, it's imperative that all of my workday be spent. On building, on on driving growth,
2: right, right, and and so as far as where you're at now, I guess this is stepping out of the business. And just for anyone that's thinking about getting into trading, or maybe they're just starting out, what are some common mistakes you see, like first year options traders or first year day trader type folks make? Like what what are the what are the the key pieces uh, that you see them them missing?
1: Yeah, so so literally the biggest mistake is your brain. So as a, as a human, right, your brain automatically gravitates towards how, how can I put myself in the position with the biggest upside versus how can I minimize the downside? And in trading it's actually the opposite. You, you need to go into the market with a mentality of how do I preserve my capital at all costs? And you know, not many people do that. They don't know to do that. They look for the highest opportunities, right? The, the biggest payouts and like anything in life, the biggest payouts also assume the most amount of risk. So they end up blowing the account because like Antonio said, it's a numbers game, right? Mm -hmm. And eventually they're going to blow the account. If you're risking, if you're risking like 90% of your account to double it, it's like going to the blackjack table with a set of chips. And like, eventually you're going to lose a hand and you're going to be out 90%. Like it's, it's going to happen. And you know, although people do realize this, it's a big mental barrier to get over to be like, I need to focus on preservation of capital first. And then if there's time, let's look for opportunities to grow the money. That's the biggest mistake I see.
2: Got it. And, and would you mind telling a story maybe about like your own personal experience where you kind of got burned and learned from it? I don't know if that's like too invasive of a question, but... Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. No. Um, so I, I was sitting at my job and I'm, like I said, I had an engineering job for about a year and a half after graduation. Sitting at the job one day, I don't know at what point it was in, but like my salary wasn't, wasn't anything crazy. So three grand to me at that point was like a decent amount of money. It's like, okay, fund the account with three grand. And I used to trade at my, at my desk at work, like on my phone, not supposed to do that, but I did it. Um, so I'm sitting there on my phone trading SPY calls and. I was just so stubborn. My, I dug my feet in. I was like, SPY is going to go up today. I know it like ABC fundamentals, technicals, like did all the analysis. It's going up. Right. And I put three grand on the position. I was like, okay, let's see. Let's see what what happens. And I checked my phone every 20 minutes or so. It's like, okay, now it's down 500. Now it's down 800. Now it's down 1200. Now it's down 2000. I'm like, shit, like sitting at my desk, like okay, it's gonna recover okay, it's gonna recover, and it and it never recovered, and I lost a whole three grand, so I'm sitting at my desk at my job like supposed to be working on like some report or something, and all I could think about is my trading account getting blown in like two hours um that was probably the most crushing loss it's not it's not the greatest magnitude loss I've ever had, but it's the most significant loss in terms of the amount of money I was working with at the time mm-hmm. um, to me at that point, three grand was like not all the money in the world, but it's a good amount of money, right? It's like two months of rent. It's food for a month. you um, know, still, still working to pay bills and stuff. So that was pretty upsetting. Um, and after that, I was like, I never want to feel that way again. So that's, it was part of the turning point. I don't want to say it was the turning point, but it was like, let's focus on risk management. And how can we not ever be in that position again? Where we're, we're like shaking at work because, you know, we just lost two months rent.
2: And I feel like that's, I feel like that's the story that you hear from most people that don't have a formula, don't have a playbook to really attack this stuff. They're just, they have that gambler's fallacy of how do I get rich quick? Because that's all you hear about. All you hear about in most cases, like is people showing their, their, their profits on, on a play or something, but you don't hear about the losses, right? That's so, no, that's, that's, that's interesting. That's cool. And that's the, uh,
0: the perspective shift that I take is that that loss probably made you millions in the long run right it probably it like for the for the backbone of what high strike is made you a bit more focused on all right what are the fundamentals of trading how do i not make this happen again so for that small loss on a uh, magnitude scale it d- there was definitely a huge upside on there and most people don't see it that way because they're so emotionally wrapped up in the dollar signs
1: right right yeah i'd say that loss and a couple others like it were pretty much the the founding fathers of my risk management skills, not only in trading, but also mm-hmm. citizen in life.
0: Now now you're done trading, right? You don't trade anymore.
1: I, I invest heavily. Yep. Like I, I, I love markets. Like I don't think I'll ever not be in markets, but I don't have time or energy to be managing positions on a scale of minutes or yeah. hours. Um, so I invest in crypto. I I invest in, in stocks. Uh, I, I really don't have any money in equities right now, but Right now, I, I'm heavy in crypto and uh, I, I just love analyzing markets. So I don't think I'll ever be out of that.
0: Love it, man. Now, I wanted to ask you because you are the most productive yet most free individual that I've ever met um, at 26. Like, I've got to observe your life um, for the last couple months. So tell us a, l- a little bit about a day in the life of Ben Zogby. What does that look like? I know it might be different since you were in Miami. What does that look like back in Boston? You know, what are some non-negotiables that you got to get done in your day um, to make sure you're always pushing the needle forward? Uh, for sure. That's a good question. Um,
1: so I I like the idea of getting up at the same time, although, you know, in practice, it doesn't happen. I, I will be completely honest with you. Um, I, and Antonio, you you know, you're ultra disciplined. So maybe it, maybe it happens for you, but um, I definitely doesn't, it definitely does not. <laughs> it's super hard um, because I, I feel like my discipline in the day is it gets greater as, it, as the day goes on. It, but anyway, I, I try and wake up at seven, six, 30 or seven. Um, and it's, it's good because we have a development meeting every morning at 730. That's one of the perks or downsides, however you look at it, to hiring, um, to outsourcing development to India in order to save 30 grand a month. Right. Um, but get up at six or 30 or seven, um, jump on the call with the developers. And that just gets me fired up. Um, so it is a really good intro to the day because we get to see all the progress they made. Um, so we get that done. And then I like to work out between eight and 10 AM. I'm a big morning workout person. Um, I, I typically don't eat before I work out. I, I don't know something about my energy levels. Um, I'm not sure scientifically what it is, but I have heard some people comment on that and say there's some science behind it, but like to work out between eight and 10 AM. And then I come back and do some deep work um, while I still have all my energy. And then I'll be honest with you, dude, like 1 PM to 3 PM or 4 PM. I really, I really don't do much. Like that's my me time. Um, When I start getting hungry, it's like, all right, I'm going to eat and I'm going to do something else. Um, Whether it's play golf or, or sit by the pool. If I'm in Miami, go sit by the pool, take a take a nap. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll be completely uh, completely honest with you guys. Midday for me is a dead zone, um, <laughs> and then I'll be like a, at some point three or four. My team my team is grinding during that time, right? So a lot of things will come up during that time where it's like, hey Ben, I need you for this. Um, so we'll jump on. Uh, I'll, I'll jump back on the on the computer after that and, and work from probably five six to maybe eight or nine. And then I'll hit the sack. Um, maybe watch an episode or something before I go to bed. Uh, I've got a, like a few favorite shows, but yeah, for, for all these people that are like, if you watch Netflix, you're unproductive. Or if you take naps in the day, you're unproductive. I, I'm going to argue with them. Like, yeah,
0: I, I hate these just massively radical statements that just like <laughs> pigeonhole everyone into specific categories when it's yeah. just like so individualized. Right. And like the, the cool thing about entrepreneurship and what, you know, living in America provides is the fact that like four years ago, three years ago, you were working, I'm sure 15, 16 hour days straight, right? Probably missing workouts, missing meals, all that stuff. All it took was three years of consistency. Right? It's not easy, very simple, but not easy to get your time back to now you earn that right. Right. And now you understand where you're most productive and not, it's about being productive, not being busy, which, uh, I had to learn the hard way because I was trying to fill up my hours just to feed my own ego to say I was busy. But where do I generate the most revenue? Where do I generate the most ROI on my time? And you started to understand that in yourself, which yeah. is extremely important, you know. And, and at the age of twenty-six, it's so cool to be able—literally, you're you're financially free because you built a business. Yeah. That's the quickest way to wealth is uh, business ownership, in my opinion. I say it all the time. For sure, for sure.
1: Well, dude, think about professional athletes. It's like. How how much time throughout the day do they actually work? If they have a game, it's like they might get up and do an hour practice, and then they play for two hours at night. That's a three hour workday. But hey, they made fifty grand that day. Mm-hmm. No, it's like it's like you said, you got to differentiate between being busy and being and being productive. For me, the way to do that is is check boxes. Like I have a few things each day that's like, I need to get these things done. And if I didn't, then I, I lost the day. Um, if I, if I did, then I won the day. Um, yeah. and, and you know, those things rotate in and out. It depends on the day, but at the end of the day, if, if you can go to bed and you're like, yes, we made progress today, but I didn't burn myself out. That's always going to be, Hey, I worked for 16 hours today and we may or may not have made any progress. Right. Yeah. And
0: and the cool thing is that your position now is the thought leader, right? So now you've implemented the system to where all you got to do is like, you could be sitting by the pool and you could still be working because a thought could just randomly come to your head and you'd be like, all right, let's go implement that. I'm just going to text the team in the Slack channel and let's get it going.
1: That's the cool thing. Right. Right. Anything, Glenn? The thing is like a lot of the stuff I do is delegation. And instead of like brunt force, brute force, like grunt work, um, grinding and like deep work, which comes early. Now it's like the work is difficult conversations and, and juicing yourself up for those right and and getting on people. Not, not that I, we hire people that you need to get on. Like my team's amazing. I'll state that for the record, but like having difficult conversations and confronting people and, and sorting out issues, it's all, Mo, you know, most of my energy is spent getting ready for those conversations. It's, it's actually a very, a very interesting switch that happened. I, would, I did not expect, but
2: so, so I'm really glad that the conversation went in this direction because that's the question that I kind of had in the chamber for you. Was like, you're 26 years old, building a seven figure business, right? And and hopefully beyond, I imagine is the goal. Yeah. Um, what are those conversations like? like for you as a 26 year old, like how does that dynamic work as you employ people and, and you build out your team? And obviously I imagine as high strike grows, you're going to have to add to that team. Um, just talk about just what that sh- mind shift is for somebody who is looking to add people to a team and looking to scale a business and the mind sh- the mindset they have to shift into as a business owner who has employees. For sure.
1: Um, I, so I, I think everyone it comes down to a couple of things. First confidence and everyone has some, it's like a spectrum, right? It's not like you're confident or you're not. It's like, how confident are you? Um, and it's not like how, res- how respected are you? I'm sorry. It's not, are you respected or are you not respected? It's how respected are you? And you need to, you know, constantly be trying to shift that needle in the eyes of your employees mm. towards being confident and being respected. And those two things, if you can nail those two things with your team, um, you know, you're going to be ultra successful as a group. So that comes down to the hiring process, right? And, and these are some some lessons that I've had to learn the tough way. But when you bring people on, the, on your team, you know, one of the biggest things you need to look for is like, when I work with this person, are they going to listen to like, do they respect me? Can I see, can I see in their eyes that they want to go in a different direction? And the second we're done with this conversation, they're going to. Or Mm -hmm. is it like, no, they're going to, you know, they're going to respect my opinion as a CEO, as a leader, um, and and go with that. Now, that's a very tough thing to judge when you first meet someone, right? Because everyone puts on a good face. But I I think over the years, I've really been able to, to dig down and start seeing, you know, when I first meet people, being able to read them and say, this person's a good fit. You know, this person's going to respect management. They understand how things work. Um, so yeah, like I said, it really comes down to those two things, being confident, working on your confidence and, uh, and just being respected, you know, taking actions that make you deserve to be respected, right? You Mm got to earn respect. It it doesn't just go for your employees have to earn your respect. You have to earn their respect as well. It's a very, very dynamic uh, relationship.
2: And as far as like your open-mindedness to ideas and, 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 I imagine. So where my question comes from is like, you're at the top, right? So you're at the top and you have this vision. Are there opportunities for your, for your teammates to bring ideas to the table to you to help kind of bring you back sometimes to earth or bring it to the left or to the right when you might be, uh, stepping back, not able to step back because you have no one else kind of shoulder to shoulder with you in the business, I imagine. Right. So like are there times where that happens where people kind of
1: help stimulate your ideas and thoughts and evolve them. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest things that we've done very well is we've allowed we've we've allowed for sort of like an open platform idea sharing um, culture. That's cool. And the, the the thing you need to do as a CEO to facilitate that is is you know provide good feedback when there is a good idea. Um, you know pump someone up when they have a good idea. Uh, I, I think the other day one of our teammates, Sarah. She, she kicked out something about our, our coaching. That was just an awesome idea. And I, in my mind, it's like, okay, one, that's a good idea. That can contribute to the business but really well. But more importantly than actually implementing that strategy, to me, is recognizing that initiative, right? So, so I'm always thinking about, like, how, how, do we, how do we turn the situation into something where we're setting us up for success long, long, long term? And that's using these uh, opportunities as an, as an opportunity to establish good culture. So in the meeting, I was like, Sarah, that was a great idea because ABC, let's get on it. Cam, can you make sure she has everything she has? Boom. Now, not only does that idea get implemented, but now Sarah is, is super happy that her idea is getting implemented and Nate and Aaron and Ben Chafee all see that. And they're like, wow, if I have a good idea, that's what's going to happen to me. I just get the keys to the castle. I can run with it. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm bringing new ideas to the table every day. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of that coin, though, is when there is an idea that's that comes up, that is you you can't just say yes, every idea. Right. When there's an idea that comes up that maybe isn't the best thing for the business, you have to be strong enough and, and confident enough to to kick it down in a professional way. That's going to maintain culture. You know, you can't just say that. Obviously, you can't say that that's dumb. <laughs> um, you have to be able to to professionally manage your words um to get the message across while maintaining culture. And that's a very tough skill.
0: Yeah. Now now I've been around your team and you know, they're they're the homies. We had a great time on the boat, good good stuff. Now, what makes you tick though? Because like you've been you're extremely respected, really, really nice dude, like genuine ass guy. But what makes you tick? I have to assume that there's some things that uh you like you get, know, mad? get you going.
1: Yeah, like get pissed off. Yeah. Uh, I'd say, I'd say making me tick is having to have the same conversation multiple times. Um, okay, you know, I, I expect in, in our, you know, high performance, um, industry or high performance team that like, once a standard is set, that is the standard. Um, and I, I just feel like we're wasting time and energy if we have to double back and reinforce things. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, also words lose their meaning right? If you, if we establish a standard and then that standard doesn't get hit, how are we going to establish more standards in the future that are, that are beneficial for the company that are going to set us up for success? Um, And and that's something I've learned that when that's, those situations do arise where you have to go back and and reinforce a standard, you need to do it not with force, but you need to do it deliberately. Um, It's the same thing with like, I was captain of the wrestling team, right? And, and, God forbid someone test potted for like a drug test or something, right? You need to get in there and you need to fix that issue. Um, And and whatever methods you need to do, um, whether you need to fire someone or, you know, you need to, I I don't like yelling at people like that's, that's never something, you know, that that's on my, uh, on my radar, but whatever you need to do to fix that issue. And and yeah, dude, we've had to let, I, I think four people go in the last, in the last four years. And every time we've done that, it's been like stone cold, the rest of the team. Like, what do I do next? Like everyone's on. And it's unfortunate that that's the, those are the situations where people are you know the most attentive. But that's what happens. If you look at Hormozy's video about firing everyone on the first day that was late, it's like that sets the standard. Let me tell you, you think someone's going to be late again after that? Absolutely not if they, if they value their job. And so like you, like you asked Antonio, what makes me tick is having to go back on those conversations and reiterate things that I thought were set in stone. Obviously it happens, but, um, you know, learning to deal with those is definitely an acquired skill.
0: Yeah. It's just the the pressures of leadership, man. Awesome stuff. Now, also, like I was saying before, just a really, really genuine, nice guy. When does it get to a point where in your personal life, some people mistake your kindness for weakness and like you have to draw a boundary there? Uh, it's it's a, something I'm
1: still working on, dude. Um, it it's really tough. Um, it, I, I usually have a pretty good judge of character. Um, I think when it comes to paying for things, I, I see this the most. And I like I don't want to sound like a douchebag or an asshole or whatever. But what you know, when people know that you have money and that you're a nice guy, it's very tough to differentiate between. The people that are your friends to be your friends and the people that are you know just here to get something out of it um you know one of the reasons i kind of stopped drinking and going out for a while is because like dude i have spending too much money it's like every time i the bill would just be in my hand like somehow in my hand. and it's like i need to you know i need to step back i need to work on being being like up upfront about things and asking people to pay and it's not just about paying but it's 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 a very fine line. It's a very tough skill that I'm definitely still working on where either putting up your radar or just assuming everyone is, you know, ha- has ill intentions until they don't, which is a, a, an awful thing to do. But typically I'm a trust first until they give you a reason not to type of guy. And that's, you know, the higher up you go, the more that kind of has to shift to a middle ground.
2: It's the dilemma of being young, successful with, with, with higher income than than 99% of people in their twenties. You know, it's that dilemma. I think everybody can face at your, at your stage, at your level. And that I'm sure will evolve, like you just said. And, and I guess as we're coming up on 40 minutes here, I don't want to, we don't want to eat up too much of everybody's mornings, but this has been an awesome conversation. What is the vision that you have for your personal life long-term and high strike trading uh, and, and the high strike company in general? So
1: what are those two visions look like down the road? Yeah. So I, I want high strike to be a household name uh, in the next, in the next five years. I, I think, I think someone, you should be able to go up to someone on the street and say, Hey, what's your high strike username? And they should be able to give it Love to you. Yeah so so the vision here is to eventually branch beyond trading. I think we we are going to con- combine LinkedIn with Instagram with uh with Twitter and make it a professional setting for uh you know for entrepreneurs. And I, and I I think the power of social media has showed us that this is a very uh very good market to be in and we're going to you know, try and capitalize on that. And I think the vision um, long-term, like I said, is just to be a household name and to, you know, to, to get that name into everyone's mouth.
0: Yeah. Now for Ben Zogby, yeah. eventually there comes a time where you separate yourself from high strike. Where does Ben Zogby want to go? I know you're opening up some spots for your own personal coaching. Yep. What does that look like in your world?
1: So I want to get into private equity. Um, I want to start a fund and what that looks like. I'm not sure. Uh, but I I know I like scaling businesses. I I like this part of business. You know I like running companies. Um, so you know with that capital, I would really like to go up and buy some smaller businesses that are maybe where Highstrike was two or three years ago, and I can see a clear path for them. Um, me and my my buddy Kevin have have talked quite a bit about this. Um, he's he's our developer, our our U.S. based developer. Uh, we think we have the skill set to scale some of these companies, 10, a hundred X. Um, so I'd, I'd like to continue doing that.
0: Love that. So kind of like a Hermosi style thing, taking, yeah, my yeah, right, taking right. these
1: companies, building some systems. Yep.
0: I love it, man. Anything else that you want to get out to our listeners before we wrap this up?
1: Um, I mean, I appreciate the, the airtime dude, this, like, this conversation has been great. Um, yeah, I appreciate your guys' time as well. Um, I will be down there soon so we can catch up again. Yeah. But, uh, Get
0: your ass down here, man. Now. Yeah. One, one question I did want to ask, cause I know you're a massive, uh, ambassador for consistency wins. One of like such a, such a great support. And I appreciate that. Now, what does consistency wins mean to you? So
1: to me, it's, it's outlasting. Right. And I think, I think this is one of your, your big points. It's like, if you can just outlast people, you are, you're going to win. Um, it, you gotta look at like, Some of the, some of the things that if you look at any company, some of the the most important things that they've done is just do the same thing for five years and then just look what happens. Um, I think, I think one of the biggest things like simple is not easy. And if you can continue being simple, you you know, you're going to win in the end. Um, I think for me, consistency was doing the videos every day when it was just me. Um, it was continuing to put out content, even though it was the last thing I wanted to do. It was, you know, getting to the gym to keep my mental health in the right spot so that I could continue making the, making the videos, sticking to my schedule, getting up at the same time. Um, and, and you know, I, I'm living, breathing proof that consistency does win. Um, and you know, I, I love the brand and I, I, I really respect what you've done with the brand and, uh, and putting it behind such a strong statement. Um, and yeah, for sure. I think consistency truly does win. And if anyone out there is like questioning, and I've done this too, like questioning where they're going and are they going to get there? I, I tell them, yes, if you continue doing what you're doing, most 90% of life is showing up. That's what my dad used to say, or, or does say he's still alive and well, um, but he, he's, uh, <laughs> of life is showing up. And if you can just continue to show up, you're going to do more than 90% of people. It's well said, man. It's well said. It's that simple. Find something small to
0: do. Do it every day. Eventually, it's going to build enough confidence for you to go out there and just consistently do more shit and then eventually do harder things. And once you do higher, harder things, you get more self-confidence. The more self-confidence you get, the more happy you are. The more happy you are, the more of a peak state you show up in other people, you're going to have massive opportunities coming your way. It's that simple. Not easy, but simple. Exactly. With that being said, man, thank you so much, Ben. Excited for you to get down here. Safe drive
1: and have a great day. Antonio, Landon, thank you guys so much. Appreciate you, brother. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Consistency Wins podcast. If you want to find me on socials, I'm at Ben Zogby, Z-O-G-B-Y on Instagram and on Twitter. And you can follow High Strike on Instagram as well. High Strike, H-I-G-H-S-T-R-I-K-E. You can catch up with all we're doing with the app launch. You can get on the app, um, and we're going to be, uh, you know, accepting early users throughout this week and into the future. So hopefully, that was, you know, a, a good, insightful podcast for you, and you learned some stuff about uh, my life and about uh, success in general. And thanks for listening.
0: Great interview, man. I'm so excited for Ben to actually come down. Um, I actually just put him in a group chat with Devin, and Ben's probably gonna stay here. It's cool selfishly to be around someone that's just constantly on. I talk about it all the time. I do uh I just did a Twitter thread on it yesterday. And like being on all the time is not easy because your thoughts are just constantly trying to, you know, you're just your thoughts are everywhere, man. You're just trying to go from idea to idea. And and you know me, and I'm sure everyone that's listened to this podcast from its inception, my ideas just ramble here and there nonstop. And the way you combat that is not to just say, stop my thoughts. It's to start delegating things that you have more time to implement those types of thoughts. Now, some of those thoughts are probably just something not worth implementing, but I definitely think that as higher thinkers, higher performers, entrepreneurs, we should be continuously thinking and delegating to different teams to execute those things.
2: Ben's done a amazing job I mean it's like it's just crazy to, to I went back on his YouTube channel this morning before our interview and I went all the way back to two three years ago and and heard what he was talking about there versus scrolling all the way up to the top to hear what he's talking about now and it literally is is five figure conversations six figure conversations and seven figure conversations that he's having about his business like over this three year four year uh timeline so it's just it's cool to see. He's 26 years old. Um, it's just it's amazing to see people his age doing so success being so successful. Um, you know, and and that's the kind of community that consistency wins breeds is like-minded individuals, people that are over and, and achieving high above what the average is doing. So
0: yeah. And you said it earlier uh, on the podcast, you're like, oh, you know, you're making more than 99% of 20-year-olds. He's making more than 99% of anyone. On, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, inter, like that's. I actually just listened to it today. Of like, if you're you're in the top like four percent of earners in America, if you make over 100k, it's like it's kind of wild to think about. Because um, at this point, especially with all this inflation and stuff, it's like I don't want to say it's not a lot of money, but it's a it's not that much money at all. Um, and for anyone that really listens to this, that they don't understand that same thing. Um, but I digress. I just find it so cool. Like I said earlier, of how I religiously followed Ben's content for a long time. And I don't even trade. I just loved his like practicality in the way that he broke down trading and all these things. And he was bringing so much free value that I even like signed up for like high strikes newsletter. And also I've been getting high strikes newsletter for like two or three years now. And it's just crazy how it all comes full circle. You put it in your reticular activating system and now you start to see all the things. The stars start to align. I met Cam, who's the COO. Cam's awesome. He's great. Twenty years old, crushing it. You've met Cam, and you know Ben. Just, just you know, just being around high performers that are just doing shit. They're just better people than they are businessmen. So
2: it's a, only types of people I want to surround myself with for sure. I got to meet him, uh, both Ben and Cam, down in Miami on the beach. We're playing spike ball. Yeah, <laughs> I actually tore something in my shoulder. I have no idea what, but it was a great time. We hey, went, we won that last game. It. We won that last game. Yeah, ass yeah. Ass we, did. we should have brought that up on the on the on the interview. I was yeah. That's funny though yeah it was a good time it was cool it was cool it's cool to see what it's cool to see what they're what, what cam's up to down there too just uh and that's cam is 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 Ben's partner one of his partners down there um and cam's what 21 no I think cam's 20 20. yeah and, and and uh I mean talk about living living the life right you're 20 years old you're single you're down in Miami it's like the yeah he's got like sling, every he's got two
0: cars he's got the slingshot I mean the kid drives like a maniac <laughs> I'm like holding off on for my life every time I'm in the car with him Um, But we didn't even talk about on the podcast. He's actually right now. um, There's like a little mini series on high strike of him from January to now. He's grown a a trading account from a hundred dollars to like two grand now. Um, And and he's documented the entire process. And it's really cool to watch. And most people don't think some people would say like, oh, you turn a hundred into two grand. I did that with Dogecoin and shit. It's like, he's like fundamentally taking trades. That's like over the course of like 50 different trades. Right. And you know, that, like having your tight stop losses, all that stuff. I don't pretend to know anything really about trading, but it's definitely a skill that all should, you know, at least seek to acquire in some sort so that you understand markets. If you do know how to trade and you're a profitable trader, you can always make money out of thin air at any time. So that's that, that, that's the cool part.
2: love it, man. Love it. Well, you know, I personally have nothing, nothing else out, out there as far as the, the interview goes, but um, what else do you got for everybody in the community? Yeah. So, I mean, you and I are just,
0: you know, things are accelerating and life is good. We're really doing our best to optimize a business, build out this agency that we're looking to do. Um, A lot of cool stuff. You and I are going to the Bahamas next week, taking private, our first, I I don't know if it's your, it's my, definitely my first private jet experience. Likewise. (laughs) Um, I was, so I initially wasn't going to fly to, I don't like flying enough to like fly to Pennsylvania to go take a private jet with you guys. And so I was like, all right, I'm just gonna take a flight from Miami to the Bahamas. It right. takes less than an hour. And then one of the top performers at the at the firm was like, I'll just pick Antonio up on my private jet on the way down here. I'm like, wait, like, is this real? Like, is life <laughs> fucking real right now? Um, what a cool, what a cool thing, man. What a cool world. And, you know, that that entire opportunity, I gotta give it to you. We won't dive too deep into it, but you know, that was a lot fostered by you, and I really appreciate that, man. And you know, just a, a testament to all the things we built over the last couple of years, man, just two and a half years of nonstop consistency being on the entire time. Now we've got the skill set and the team and the infrastructure to now, if we continue to stay consistent, and I like to say when we continue to stay consistent for the next two and a half years, things are going to be like out of this world, right? It's going to be so cool when we, you partner up with companies like Highstrike, all these different things, we'll get Ben on for a webinar all those things. And then two weeks later after Bahamas, I'm going with uh, miles actually to Austin, Texas to go lock in the spot for the retreat. Now, I'm going to publicly say that you're not coming because I hate you. And I'm going to continuously <laughs> pressure you every day. I, every might, I, might come for like
2: a, I might actually come for like the, uh, the, to see the place with you and then stay for a day and then leave. But I can't stay for the whole week just because I have my brother's graduation that, you know, all these excuses that no yeah, one wants to hear. For everyone that's so. listening.
0: Yeah. That there's, I've actually been <laughs> running on a list of 10 different excuses so far today. I'm still trying to find the one that's most valid so I can pick it yeah. and, you know, allow him to, but it's all good, <laughs> man. So, you know, you're know you going to miss out. We're taking a Tesla. I got a hot tub at the Airbnb. It's all good. Don't worry about it.
2: All good. Tesla <laughs> hot tubs. I'll, I'll be all right. I, I, we'll see. We'll see. I'm still not I'm not 100% out. Not 100% out. Love it. Definitely not 100% in though. I could tell that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, all,
0: all good stuff, man. Super excited for what's to come. Um, we're transitioning to Discord. So by the time you hear this, it's probably not going to be up yet, uh, the the Discord, but I would say within the next week or so. It's actually being made. I'm making it today. i I you know, got the name and all that stuff just needed to get back home to put all the, the pictures and all the different subsets, all that stuff. So discord's coming. Then we got the webinar on Monday. If you listen to this, we, we will put the webinar link in the bio that is with Colby Ureda. It's about holistic wellness. It's going to be a great, great conversation. And then what else? Um, newsletter coming soon. SMS texts coming soon. We're just trying to build brand. We have nothing to sell you. So like I said, just a lot of of acceleration, really cool things happening. And with that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. Thank you so much for your feedback. Please pay the fee. Refer us to your network. Share us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, the whole nine yards. We love you guys. Consistency wins.